Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Right, so how was your research go on this one? Yeah, um, I've, I, it did get a little bit deeper than the few news articles I managed to find because they were just very brief. Yeah. But I, I started having a little dive onto the Wikipedia and that, you know, I don't want it to just be a regurgitation of what it says in the wiki, but that gave me a little bit more. Yeah. Um, I'll be honest, when I looked, there was more to it than I was expecting because I was like, oh, well, I sort of know the general mystery and I haven't read the resolution but mm. so I was like going to focus on that. And then when I looked into the resolution, I was like, oh, that's it. Yeah. Okay. And then I was like, well, I, I've, it's not going to take me that much time to research them. When I went back to it to research day, off, day before yesterday, I was like, oh shit, there's loads of theories and stuff. So I've barely scratched the surface on them. Oh, I've, th- there might be quite a bit that I've missed then because I, I couldn't really find all that much. I just sort of kind of found the hard facts. Only the old theories from before they knew oh, who he right, was. Right, right. So it's because in terms of who he is, we know who he is. Yeah, but the the mystery is well. Let's 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 start the episode. Yeah, yeah, we're... go for it. You you yeah. might you might have to lead it a little bit in that case. Then yeah, see how it goes. Uh, well, I'll be revisiting my notes. Let's see. I was sort of bashing these notes out in between studies, so they're not the neatest writing I've ever done. Uh, okay. Hello, you're listening to Weird Tales Revisited. This is uh, me, Bob Shoy, and as always on these episodes, I have Rick Dove. Hello. And it's the first episode of 2023, so Happy New Year to everyone. I mean, it's halfway through January by the time this comes out, but, you know, it's still the first one, so Happy New Year. Yeah, the intentions are good. Yeah, I don't know what the cutoff is for wishing people a Happy New Year. I don't know. Well, we've not talked to them, so from both of us, Happy New Year. Yeah. Uh yeah, love love to you and all your family and friends, everyone. Uh, from me and Rick, and then Beef and Tis will wish you a happy New Year on the next one. <laughs> uh, anyway, today we are talking about one of the first things we ever talked about on Weird Tales and the Unexplainable. Um, on that first episode where I sort of delved into a few famous uh, mysteries. Which has been like a great episode for mining <laughs> topics for this <laughs> spin-off show on because I just brushed over the surface of them on that episode. Um, and we're going to talk about the Summerton Man, uh, which has been much requested since we started doing the revisited episodes. And uh, Rick, before looking into this, mm. what was your knowledge on the Summerton Man? I knew that they'd found a guy. In a suit with a briefcase, dead on a beach in Australia, with a mysterious note in his pocket, and that was pretty much all I knew. Yeah, I couldn't remember much from that first episode, and I didn't re-listen to the bit about the Summerton Man for this. I will later on. I like to put in a little clip for a little Weird Tales rewind later on this episode, so I will revisit what we said initially. But I couldn't remember much other than like, yeah, there was a body. And it was a mystery who he was. But the main reason that people wanted us to revisit it is that last year, last year there was a interesting development on this case, and they thought that the case was cracked. Mm. Um, so throughout this episode, we're kind of going to kind of revisit and go over the details of the mystery, the Summerton Man, for those who um, aren't necessarily aware or haven't listened to that old episode or haven't heard of him before. 
we'll go over some of the theories that people had and then we will talk about later on the revelations of uh, last year and where the case stands at the moment. Yeah, excellent. So 1948. Mm-hmm. Post-war. Uh, 1st of December at 6.30 a.m. A body was found on Somerton Beach. This is in Australia. Uh, where is it in Australia? I did know that. Uh, Adelaide. South Australia. Adelaide, yes. You're right. Yeah. So someone saw a dead body on the beach and um, they thought he was drunk and left him. And then the next day, he was still there and they called the police. And um, they took this man to the coroner and it was a man in his mid-40s. He was in good shape and he was wearing... Rick, what was he wearing? He was wearing a full suit and tie. Yes. Um, all the, the things I've read. He was also wearing a sweater underneath this suit. It was like a full-on suit with a, a sweater on underneath it. He was wearing no hat. I was like, <laughs> I don't know why everything that I read wanted to find that he wasn't wearing a hat. Okay. Like, that's weird. Yeah, or he also wasn't wearing glasses. I don't know. <laughs> the besuited corpse at the beach. <laughs> no hat. Um, I think more more at the time it was traditional to wear a suit, a hat with your suit or something. But I guess everyone so, loves yeah. to point out that he wasn't wearing a hat. Okay, he wasn't wearing you know clown shoes either. But <laughs> I didn't point that out. He was clean shaven, no distinguishing marks, no tattoos, no ID, no dental records. You know, a real John Doe. Hmm. Um, in his pockets, a used bus ticket, an unused rail ticket. Um, do you know the interesting detail about the clothing he was wearing? Um, was it that it had all the labels removed from it? Yes. All of the labels were removed from all of the pieces of clothing, apart from three items which had the name Keen written in them. Mm. K-E-A-N-E. He had a cigarette behind his ear, and he had a half-smoked cigarette like on his body, sort of like between his, on his neck somewhere. I didn't catch that detail in any of the research I did about the cigarette. That's interesting. Yeah, I don't. I I read that, and uh, I can't remember what source that was from that I was reading the other day. But I, um, a lot some of these details I didn't I didn't have before. So I sort of it was interesting to read into it in a bit more depth because when I, we talked about it on that first episode, which is the only time I've ever heard about this story, um, it was literally like on a listicle. It was like one paragraph, a real summation. So to read it in more depth, you get these little details of the cigarette behind the ear and things like that. Mm. And on so this is the mysterious bit in a small pocket sewn on the inside of his trouser leg there was a small piece of paper what does this paper, piece of paper say rick um well from what i can see here m l i a o i w t b i m p a n e t p no 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 that paper is from later on oh is it oh. yes yeah, so the pa- the piece of paper in his pocket ah, the one is the one that just says tamam should Tamam should. Yes. Um, I had to double check, like, what, is, what was the bit you were reading? Yes. No, I do have that. Um, yes. That's that in my book, yes. isn't it? You're right. Yes. yes. So the Tamam should is what it says on the piece of paper in his pocket, um, which means finished and is found on the last page of um, the book The Rubaiyat by Omar Khayyam, famous book of poetry. Persian poetry, I believe. Yes. So this this is the mysterious situation. So it feels like almost a corpse found at the start of some sort of detective mystery or something. Then it's it's oh, yeah. too many little juicy details. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's a beautiful setting. It sounds like Poirot is about to come wandering in. Yeah, I love it, and it's it's clear just from these details why this is one of those mysteries that sort of captured people's imagination because um, it is juicy. When I first read mm. about this, I was like, "Oh, flipping heck! Here we go." Um, and they circulated yeah, his fingerprints, pictures uh, of his of his face and everything around, but um, there were no leads from that. So one of the things that I found kind of jarring, actually, whilst looking into it, was the police actually released just like a photo of the corpse. I mean, he looks yes. quite well composed because he wasn't long dead and he's wearing his suit still and everything. But it's still kind of like, that's a body. It's, it's really kind of jarring to look at. This is interesting. So me and Becca were literally just talking about this, not about the Somerton Man, but we were watching a documentary just now. Um, and in that documentary, lots of dead bodies. Mm. And I was saying to her, it's weird how um, sheltered we are in England 
from images of death. Yeah. We're very much in other countries. I've been on in other countries and the news has been on. There's just sometimes pictures of dead bodies. Like if there's a shooting, there's just pictures of corpses and stuff on news. In England, I don't know if this might be shocking to people listening, not from the UK, we don't see dead bodies. They We're sheltered from that. Mm. Yeah, we, you do not just see a corpse on the news. No, we see like the police tent that's around it. They yes. never show the body. You would not see a dead body. It's very rare that if you actually see a dead body in footage in the UK, I find it very jarring because I'm not used to it at all. Mm. So if I'm watching a documentary and there's a corpse in the documentary, I'm like, flipping heck, that's a dead body. You know, like I, I do remember like back in the 90s, they would occasionally show bodies on on the news it'd be very rare but i've got a memory of staying up around about age 10 or so and the 10 o'clock right. news come on and there'd been um it was like a bombing in iraq and i think the americans had actually bombed like a a, a place where kids were playing football in iraq and i just right. i've got this stark image burnt into my mind of just this foot that was sat there amidst all this char and blood and you know viscera on the middle yeah. of this football field in iraq and yeah, the, the, that was probably one of the only times that that I've actually seen really violent imagery on our on on our telly that hasn't come from an American source. Yeah, well, to be fair, I'm saying that, and then the documentary that I'm watching was on BBC Four, so <laughs> maybe we do. But then that's airing a documentary. True, um, I suppose, which is, but it's a Werner Herzog documentary, so it's not of UK origin. So good old Werner. One of the little uh, details I did enjoy about the Summerton Man was the the autopsy showed his last meal was a pasty. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know that detail. I like that. Yeah, apparently so. Eating about three to four hours before his death, they uh, they surmised. I didn't know they had pasties over in Australia. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. They got loads <laughs> of uh, loads of great British meals over there, and the the humble pasty is one of them. Yeah, because I, I do consider pasty like that is you get that in the UK. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, a Cornish delicacy. Mm. I wonder if Americans know what a pasty is. I don't know. Like, if if you don't, American listeners, go and go and have a quick look. Because do it, they have sausage rolls in America? I don't know if they do. I know. I know they got those. Uh, what do you call them? Like the the hot dogs in batter. Um, corn dogs. Corn dogs, and they're, they're quite nice. Yeah. But it's, it, we don't really have corn dogs here. No, we occasionally see them in the freezer section. But but the humble pasty is fantastic. It's because it, yeah. it used to for, for the Americans out there. It used to be something where if you had leftovers from a stew or a casserole or something, they used to wrap it up in uh, pastry and bake it, and then the miners uh, down in Cornwall would take it down to the mines with them, and it'd act like a, a nice, big, healthy, tasty lunch for them. And keep yeah. them going. It looks foul, sorts. but they're amazing. Yeah, it looks horrible. Your, your two classic flavours are sort of like your your meat and onions and, and carrots or whatever, mm-hmm. and peas or whatever, veg, and then your, your cheese and onion. Yes. Your two sort of classic pasties. Oh, I love get. a cheese and onion pasty. Yeah, warm cheese and onion pasty is pretty good. Um, so, anyway. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Moving on the pasty Pasties talk. aside. Um, so... When the, when no one comes forward from the leads from the image of the corpse, yes, <laughs> um, they circulate image of the tamam should the piece of paper yeah. the writing on, and someone comes forward, they find a copy of the was it it's the rubaiyat isn't it yeah, they find a copy of the rubaiyat on the back seat of their car which they didn't put there. Um, it's just so juicy. So this man finds the book with the missing page, by the way. The back page is missing in this copy. Yeah. And it is on the back seat of his car. And he's, you know, this is Australia. It's a bit like my mum's place in Cumbria. She, I'm not going to give her a address just in case it was listening, but she doesn't lock her doors. So they've never, they've never had any of their car or house locked up. It's just, it's that sort of place. I know it sounds like this is that sort of place in Australia. Mm. Um, the car's just unlocked on the street. So someone's chucked this in by the, by the seams of it. So it's getting juicier and juicier. But in the back of the book, there is, um, that's where the letters are, I think. It is, yeah. That you said about earlier. Yeah. So it's it's like a scribbled cipher. Yes, I've got it up. I've got a picture of it here now, yeah. Mm. It's like five lines of tech, of letters, all sort of, capitals all sort of nonsense just strings of letters one of them's crossed out but there doesn't seem to be any meaning to it no not at all and there's also a phone number written in the back of this book yes and the phone number 
is belongs to so so many little like strands of the story. It's so it, it's like one thing leads on to another, leads on to another. It's bizarre, but the phone number leads on to it own. It belongs to a nurse who happened to live very close to the location that the body was found. Mm. This nurse, who um, often went by the code name Justin in the notes I was reading. Yeah, which is strange. I think she wanted to keep her name private or remain anonymous for like a lot of this stuff, so they used this code name Justin. But she said she once owned a copy of that book during World War II of the Rebellion, um, when she worked in a hospital, and she gave it to a soldier. She gave her copy to a soldier, and the soldier's name was Alfred Boxall. Uh, who was found alive during during this investigation with his copy of the book, which was intact. Yeah. So it's just like, what's going on? <laughs> it's just such a weird coincidence, like such yes. an obscure book. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> so, yeah, the nurse is now dead. She died 2007. My big question is, why is her number in this book? I, I, I find this book a very mysterious element of the story yeah because she said that she didn't know him that she'd never met him they had no relationship yeah. so then the other only other detail i have about the mystery is um so they found a suitcase in a nearby train station uh this was about a month and a half after they found the body they found the suitcase mm. there was nothing in, unusual in it just clothes and stuff um one thing they said about the clothes that they were of u.s origin yeah and they said that some of them had the label oh sorry the suitcase had its label removed apparently and like some- the clothes inside as oh, well. Oh, the clothes inside had as well. Yeah, wow. so the, that's why that was one of the, they're like, oh, all the clothes inside had their labels removed, just like the ones he was wearing as well. So I mean, to, to me, that suggests like it's like you said, some of them have the name Keen written in them. It sounds like maybe he was given those clothes by someone and cut the label out because it had someone else's name written in it, perhaps, mm-hmm. and he missed doing the other ones. Yeah. So that's the mystery. <clears throat> then for years and years, it was who is the Somerton man. How did he die? Yeah. Yeah, because uh, if I remember correctly as well, the autopsy didn't actually show anything up. And then the, the autopsy report has gone missing as well. All I've got about the autopsy is that the coroner suspected it was a possible poisoning. He suspected poison. Yeah, but it was never verified, was it? No. Because he couldn't find he any foreign it. objects. Yeah. Exactly. So that's all I have about the autopsy. There's there's a, a, a quote here that uh, I read from the coroner where he said, the heart was of normal size and normal in every way. Small vessels not commonly observed in the brain were easily discernible with congestion. There was congestion of the pharynx and the gullet was covered with whitening of superficial layers of mucosa with a patch of ulceration in the middle of it. Uh, the stomach was congested. There's congestion in the second half of the duodenum. Um, blood mixed with food in the stomach. Both kidneys were congested and the liver contained a great excess of blood in its vessels so it Mm. suggests that it was trying to in the early stages of trying to fight off some poison but it was never never but not confirmed yeah not 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 necessarily the case exactly yeah because that was never confirmed there's all these wild theories which we'll come to in a minute yeah um there were this is this is interesting in the aftermath of all this there were a few people who came forward with more details uh, but it seemed that anyone who came forward was met with threats and um, in some cases even death. So there was a similar case three years previously of a body found clutching the Rubaiyat. Really? Yes. This was a man named Joseph Marshall and he had been poisoned. Two months after they found that body, a witness of his at the trial of it was found dead in his bathtub with his wrist slit. What? Yeah. Whoa. I didn't come up to any of this in my research. That's nuts. No, I, that was a real last minute find. So that is very odd and doesn't really line up with the information that we find out later. That's so weird. So I don't know if that's just another... It just seems to me there's so many coincidences. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it sounds a little bit shady and it reminds me of... Um, Especially with the, the 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 scrap of meaningless paper that he had on him with the you know, the various words, Cause it sounds like the book's almost acting like a one-time pad translator mm-hmm. for for like spying or sending coded messages. One more interesting detail about that previous case mm. is that happened only two months before 
the nurse gave her copy of the railway out to the soldier and it happened only one kilometre away from where she did that as well. Um, so she was nearby what? when that happened. There's so many <laughs> That's just details. too many coincidences. <laughs> That's it's, what? It's like an episode of Jonathan Creek. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. Yeah, American listeners probably have no idea what Jonathan Creek is. That's very obscure for them, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of obscure for us now. Yeah, I imagine like round the twist, but British. <laughs> yeah. Kind of, yeah. And, and worse. I was going to say of Alan Davies, but I don't know who no. he is. <laughs> if you've ever no seen way. QI, it's the guy with the fuzzy hair. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think they know what QI is no. either. <laughs> Here we are, listeners. There's uh, some watching for you. QI and, uh, and uh, Jonathan Creek. So yeah, so that's 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 what I've got about the death. Is there any other stuff that you've got before we move on to some possible theories that people had? No, that's that's about all I managed to pick up. Really, there's it's just very mysterious. A man seemingly very out of place with bizarre effects about his person, and no one knows him. No, and it would be, you know, another weird dead body which happens all the time. But there's just these juicy little details that make it just a little bit weirder like the bit of paper you know the the labels being cut out mm. just everything and no one being able to identify this man is the crux of it like for years he was just known as the, the Somerton man yeah because no one knew who this guy was and some for something that's so well publicized as well you'd think there might be someone who would recognize him or you know had a drink exactly. with him somewhere seen him on his travels but no one came forward no you would think it's such a famous case. You'd think someone would have recognised him or someone would have seen him about. But no, no records. Mm. No, no one came forward about anything. And obviously with a case that's been this famous and has you know, happened years ago. When did it happen? 1948. So that's a hell of a long time ago. Um, there's been a lot of theories and ideas over the years about who the Somerton Man possibly was and... Um, yeah, did you get any of these, Rick? Did you see any of these? Um, I did see a few out there. Most of it seems to revolve around spying, but yes. what, 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 what did you manage to pick up? Well, there's so many, and I started looking into them. It just feels like some of them are just people just chucking nonsense out there. Mm-hmm. Just anything. So I've got a whole page of theories here. And I started writing them down, and after a while I stopped because I was just like, this is getting ridiculous. So there's the most common theory was the spy angle. Yes. And different permutations of that. So he's a Soviet spy and he was assassinated by the Australians. Or he's a defected Soviet spy and he was assassinated by the Russians. (laughs) Or he's an Australian spy and he was assassinated by the Soviets. Or he was an Australian spy secretly working for the Soviets who who committed suicide over a his blown cover and it doesn't seem to be any evidence for any of this no. it's just people chucking out ideas well what if this pure conjecture yeah like we see with most yeah. of the stuff that we revisit and i think the what you were saying about that strip of paper well sorry the notes in the back of the book and the, the missing page and all that it seems very cody mm. so it seems spy shit it just feels like a spy movie yeah so people are just automatically like it's a spy it's spy shit and Part of me is like, do spies really do this shit? Is this actually how spying works? I don't know if you know any spies, Rick. I'm afraid I don't, no. We'll just get one on. <laughs> we'll have a phone around. <laughs> I'd love an episode. I'd love a spy on an episode. But I think genuinely they did used to use stuff like you know, one-time pads to, to share information. Um, when There was a, a famous Russian spy ring that was operating in America that was busted. I think it was in the early 2000s, if I remember correctly. And they were right. found to be using uh, shortwave radios for long distance communication and using things like one time pads so uh, right. things that 
you can't you can't replicate. So even if someone else picks up the signal, it makes no sense to them because they need this other pad with them to be able to translate the message that's come through. It's the same as the theories about number stations and stuff like that yes. as well. Them being codes for things. Exactly. Um, that classic Weird Tales episode number three. Yep. <laughs> Early one. Yeah. So the spy theories. They're just people chuck different permutations of that all over the place. Mm. Um, then you've got some people who are just like, it's just the guy who committed suicide. Yeah. He had no family, so no one knows who he is. It's There's nothing strange about it. You, these things together seem strange, but in isolation, some people do chuck the, cut the labels out of their clothes. Maybe his surname was Keen. Yep. Do you know what I mean? It's There's some stuff that maybe we're in... When we put it all together, it feels odd. And actually, when you separate it out, it's not that odd. Yeah, I, know I don't mean. know what the like fuck the books are analyzing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the suicide one that I that I read sounded really sad because someone got kind of poetic with it. They said a man, possibly already dying of terminal illness, wishes to get dressed up one last time and look out on a fantastic Australian sunset and end his life. It's like fuck. All right. <laughs> yeah, it could be that. Um, you obviously get the the other shit of he's an alien. <laughs> I didn't see any of those. Yeah, well, I just feel like you could always chuck that theory out there. There's always like he's an alien. <laughs> Why not? Um, as a theory. Uh, yeah, and there's just I don't know if there's any others that that, that sort of stood out to you. They're all a bit sort of clutching at straws. There's a good one that I read that was titled "Assassination by Wildlife." That I really enjoyed. Not killed by, assassinated. All they said Brilliant. was Australia has plenty of interest in wildlife, some of it very poisonous. True. Could the summer to man have been bitten or stung by something deadly while he was asleep or or maybe he was drunk and fell asleep on the beach, got bitten by something? That's it. It could just be a bloke chilling out on the beach having a cig and he gets bitten by some mad Australian creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because it seems like he the cigarette thing is like when he has one behind his ear and he's got one half smoke and it's fallen on him. It's almost like he's passed out and it's fallen out of his mouth because it was like so they said it was sort of between his. It's like almost like the where, the, where they, they said it was like on his neck or something where he's laying down and it dropped out of his mouth and fallen on his chest or something. It's like in that chest, shoulder, hmm. neck area, half smoking cigarette. So I could buy that. Like he was sitting there having a cigarette, watching the sunrise or something, and. Get stung by something weird. Oh, I've just I just found that picture actually. Yeah. Oh, that's kind of that's kind of strange. It does look like he's just asleep. Just got his hand up on his chest. He's got one knee up still. Mm. That's really quite creepy. So yeah, there are loads of theories, but they're all kind of a little bit wishy washy. The one that I did find interesting. I don't know if you looked anything into a woman named Rachel Egan or Egan. The name rings a bell. I haven't got that in my notes, though. Go on. So, this is the theory, the ballet dancer theory. Oh, no, I haven't seen that one. And I read this uh, on the Daily Mail, unfortunately. Um, (laughs) The headline, How a dead man's muscly calves and an adopted little girl who loved ballet could hold the key to solving one of Australia's most baffling mysteries. Oh, this is going to be great. What's interesting about this is this was an article that came out in the first half of last year. So this is only just before they actually, spoilers listeners, we know who this guy is, before they actually identified him, there's this mad theory going around. They must have felt like absolute dolts when (laughs) two months later they were like, nah, it's this guy. Because, okay, so this gets a bit, I tried to summarise it in my notes because it's a bit convoluted. But anyway, this woman... Uh, named Rachel E-G-A-N. How would you how would you say that? I'd say Egan. Egan, yeah. yeah. Rachel Egan um claimed that he was her grandfather. Hmm. Um she was married so this Rachel Egan, she married to a guy, uh Derek Abbott, a prof- who coincidentally was a professor attempting to crack the case. Uh-huh. So already it's a little bit like, oh, that's a bit of a coincidence. <laughs> <laughs> a detective trying to crack a case married the woman who said and claims it's her grandfather. He, but he'd spent a decade, over a decade, trying to crack this case. Anyway, this Rachel Egan, her father, a man named Robin Thompson, was an Australian ballet dancer. And she believes, Rachel believes, that Justin, the nurse from earlier, whose real name was Joe Thompson, mm. 
had a secret relationship with the Somerton man and that this nurse, Joe Thompson, is Rachel's grandmother. Right, okay. <laughs> so she's saying this is her great this is her granddad. Yeah. Because her grandma is the nurse, Justin, real name Joe Thompson. Yep. And she believes that she had a secret affair with this man. Right, right, I'm with you. Right? So it's a bit complica- complicated. <laughs> the giveaway were his sculpted legs. Um because he's uh, a family of ballet dancers or something. Right. Okay. <laughs> You can see how my interest trailed off on this absolutely ludicrous theory. <laughs> yeah, because he just looks like a sort of regular, paunchy, sort of 40s, 50-something dude. Yeah, he's kind of got slightly broad features, I would say. He's got kind of a a broad-looking face. Yeah. Broad shoulders. I wouldn't say it's a ballet dancer's physique. <laughs> no, but anyway, she's claiming that he his son is a ballet dancer. Um, is it his son? Yeah. Egan's father, Robin Thompson, was a ballet dancer. I, I get so complicated <laughs> this story. I read it so many times, and every time I read it, I was like, wait, what? Who is ready to? It's just these names that I live with. And because I know they know who he is, I know it's not true, so I was so not invested. Oh, you need like a Pepe Silver chart. <laughs> yeah, so I'm sitting there trying to work out, and I'm like, it doesn't matter because it's not even true. <laughs> Anyway, so this, this, these, these people, this fool Derek Abbott, who you know chucked all his hat in the ring with this idea yeah. to be proved wrong only a couple of months later. Um, even after all this, they're unsure of how he died. They were just like, "We think it's this guy. We think it's a man who had an affair with the nurse, and we think, and the woman who claimed that is the nurse's granddaughter. So she said he had an affair with my grandma, and therefore he's my granddad, or something like this." So essentially, that's the ballet because theory. at the time there was no evidence as to who he was, they just made up a very convoluted story, stitched something together that put him in their family tree. Yeah, I mean, these articles of the mystery of the Somerton man, possibly ballet dancer, blah, 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 there's so many of them and they're all so long. Mm. Every article about it is so long because it's so convoluted, like where this her mindset is of why he's related to her. That I just, every time I read one, I was like losing my mind yeah i think i did read a little bit about this because i think i read somewhere in their home that they had like a picture of him on the wall and it, and it got, yes. got me to thinking like what picture did they have was it like the corpse photo <laughs> you know, which, or? yeah it has to be <gasps> that's fucked oh no they i think they had a picture uh, the, uh, you're ringing my bell on something else now right it <laughs> there was of someone who had a picture and they said this looks like him oh. this is him or something like that it was a painting, I think, maybe even. Okay. So that they, yeah. they probably commissioned a photo of a painting of him that they put it up on their <laughs> wall and went, Look, we're related. Like I say, these mad theories, it's kinda hard to get invested in when you know they're not true. Mm-hmm. Because the case has kind of been closed. Yeah. In oh sorry, so that was that was September twenty twenty one. When Rachel Egan, so it wasn't last year, it was the year before, I forget we're in 2023 now, so it was September 2021 and the news came out about Rachel Egan claiming he's the ballet dancing granddad, Um, but August 22, so it was less than a year later, the truth came out. Yeah, finally. Yeah. Uh, Rick, who was this mysterious man? This man was Carl Webb. Okay, cool. Who's Carl Webb? (laughs) (laughs) Just a guy. Um, <laughs> it's so, it, so deflating. It's, it's really boring. And I know that sounds so anticlimactic, but it's true. He's just some dude. Um, there, there was some research that was put together by a chap called Derek Abbott uh, from the University of Adelaide. And uh, he wanted to an- analyze the Summerton Man's DNA using hairs f- that were found in the plaster cast that was taken of his face right, at the time yeah. of his death and they managed to find three viable hairs back in 2017 and they sent them off to be tested and they're waiting and waiting and waiting they got the dna results through and then he teamed up with a u.s forensic expert called colleen fitzpatrick who specializes in cold cases and they built an extended family tree using that dna profile and from 4,000 names that came up they managed to narrow it down 
to Carl Webb. And they track down mm-hmm. his living relatives and use their DNA to confirm his identity. Uh, there's, a, there's a quote that I found from uh, uh, Professor Abbott where he said, it's a triangulation from two totally different, totally distant parts of the family tree. So it sounds like it was one hell of a forensic scramble. Um, yes. But ultimately it's led to something that's just so deflating. It's like after all that, it comes down to like, well, it can only really be this guy and this guy is Carl Webb. <laughs> it's just a like, electrical engineer from Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> and there has no genetic ties to Rachel Egan. <laughs> I did check that. None at all. None at all. Um, yeah, so this man, this Carl Webb, um, I've got a little bit of info. This is from the smithsonianmag.com. Uh, I've read a few different articles on this, but this is the one I'm reading from here. Uh, so this, this man was born in Footscray, a suburb of Melbourne, on November 16th, 1905. Webb was the sixth child of a German-born man and an Australian woman. Um, he married Dor- Dorothy Jean Robertson, who's listed on the couple's marriage certificate as a 21-year-old foot specialist, uh, at the time, Webb was a 35-year-old instrument maker. Um, the last mention of Webb in the historical record dates April 1947, as when he left his wife. In October 1951, three years after the Somerton man's death, Dorothy placed a notice in the Age newspaper stating that she had begun divorce proceedings against Webb on the grounds of desertion. Uh, by then, Dorothy had moved from Melbourne to Butte, a town 89 miles northeast of Adelaide. It's possible that Webb came to this state to try and find her. This is uh, Abbott, uh, is what he tells CNN. And this, uh, sorry, this is just us drawing the dots. We can't say for certain this is the reason he came, but it seems logical. They they still don't know. Records show that Webb enjoyed reading and writing poetry, as well as betting on horse races. And he had a sister who lived in Melbourne and was married to a man named Thomas Keane, likely the T. Keane, whose name appears on the clothing in the Somerton Man's suitcase. Yep. Had so it's down. like his brother-in-law's clothes that he yeah. borrowed off him, basically. It's like everything is kind of like, oh. Yeah, it's really and deflated. Yeah, he, loved, he loved reading and writing poetry. So yeah, that probably was his copy of the Ribeye Yeah, Yeah, something else I read was that the uh, scrap of paper that he had on him, it's theorised that it could be coded messages about horse races and tips that he oh, had. Oh, that's to, interesting. Trying to disguise, but that's, that's never actually been proven. And something else that I, I read was apparently he was a bit of a dick. Um, it's it, it's kind of deflated when you read something like that because somebody's so cloaked in mystery and almost like anonymous, mm. even though they're a person. When the actual details of their life come out and it's filled in, it is oftentimes very deflating. But his uh, his wife said that he was a solitary man, having few friends, living a quiet life, and being in bed by seven p.m. each night. But also moody, violent, and threatening, especially when facing defeat, even over relatively trivial matters. And then yeah, it goes on to say he was fond of poetry and wrote several poems of his own, most of them on the subject of death, which he claimed to be his greatest desire. Um, oh. And that would be consistent with the copy of the Rubaiyat, which also focuses on the subject of death. Hmm. Um, so, but the thing is, we still don't actually know how he died. No. The report in the Guardian, as well, that sort of closed it off by said, you know, who is the Somerton man has sort of been solved, but now it's the mystery, mysterious case of Charles Webb. Like, how did he die? I. It, it's probably one of those very mundane answers when you when it comes down to like this guy was just sort of like you know separating from his wife, electrical engineer, blah blah. He probably was either suicide or some sort of nasty poisoning from some sort of Australian creature while he was on that beach. Yeah. It probably wasn't anything fantastical. One of the theories earlier was like um, he might have asphyxiated on the beach. Uh, might have just been an absolute, a complete accident, falling asleep or whatever on the beach. The uh, the conclusion of the two people who were doing the uh, DNA analysis and the, the family tree tracing said that they believed he had serious mental health issues and spiralled right. down after losing four close relatives within seven years over the period of World War Two. Um, and his history and the autopsy findings suggest that he probably committed suicide by poisoning himself. Mm-hmm. What I and if you're going to do it, I suppose if he's in that sort of dour situation, sitting on the beach having a cigarette, you know. This uh, is sad, mm. but you know, it's like it feels very like chosen. Yeah, I know what you mean like almost like a romanticized suicide. Yeah, like somebody's into poetry and everything. You're know, seeing I'm the a, sun go down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. It's it's sad and you know it's it, it's also quite boring. I know, yeah, I know that sounds like sadly. a harsh thing to say about someone's someone's death, but for for what was such a mystery for you know the best part of 80 years to be solved and he's it's just a guy, just a poor Nothing's sad guy. Nothing's ever going to live up to the mysteries, is it? It's like, you know, trouble. Jack the Ripper. And when everyone said, when the, the, the revolution came out a few years ago, where they're like, oh, we, we think it's this guy, it's this like Polish barber. Mm. People were like, no, 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 it wasn't, because they wanted it to be more... Because there was all the rumours that he was a member of the royal family and stuff with Jack the Ripper and all that stuff, and people wanted the juicier take than just, oh, he's a Polish barber. He just liked killing people. Yeah. And um, most people believe that's probably the case with Jack the Ripper, but still some people hold out that it's something a bit juicier and it's like this. So, you know, you kind of, I think everyone wanted it to be something a bit more mysterious, but sometimes it's just a bloke. Yeah, that's it. You know, you know the weirdest thing about this this whole thing, do you remember when I messaged you the other day and I said, I don't know how much more there is to say about this guy. Mm. The reason I said that, I thought we had already revisited this, but I remembered as we've been talking exactly what happened. I went back and started listening to all the weird tales from the start. I listened right. to the episode about the Summerton Man, and that was probably around about March, April last year. And then I went right. down a bit of a YouTube rabbit hole and I watched loads of stuff about it. And for some reason in my head, I thought we'd done a revisit. So I was like, oh, he probably just wants to do a little wrap up on it. Oh, right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah you, the reason I actually had a weird thing where I thought we'd already done it as well, but I was thinking of uh, the man from Tourette. Ah, yeah. Because yeah. I know the reason I got confused because they're both myst- mysteries about a man. Strange guys who we didn't know they were. I talked about both of them on Weird Tales episode one. Mm. Um, listeners, if you haven't listened to mine and Rick's fantastic episode on the man from Tourette. that's a bonus episode which you can purchase mm. uh, if you go to bobshoy.bandcamp.com b-o-b-s-h-o-y.bandcamp.com you can buy the digital album which collects the three previously exclusive weird tales revisited episodes on the man from Tourette, the diatlov pass incident and the mandela effect and they're all absolute bangers they were actually so, really um, good fun those ones they're really good ones they're really good ones and uh they do regularly get purchased so probably a lot of people that have wanted to listen to them already have but in case you haven't and you're looking for more weird tales on that band camp there are some little bonus extra episodes including uh, extra weird news episodes as well that maybe even tested it's a bit of an aside, but did you ever look at that? Um, the one I mentioned a while ago, it was about the, the American uh, equivalent of Dyatlov Pass. Oh, I think so. Yeah. What was that called? Yeah, I, I can't remember. I only ever remember it as the American Dyatlov really, Pass. I remember you said it. I remember looking into that. Let's have, let's have a quick look. I swear I even saw it the other day because I was clearing out some of my favourites and I'd saved the link. The Yuba County Five. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah. 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 Uh, li- yeah. Listeners, go and have a, a little look into that. That's, that is fascinating. I didn't know anything about that until I'd done the Diatlov episode. Yeah. it's. I remember when you sent that to me and I read up on that, I chucked it in the Weird Tales, like possible episodes list, mm. the never ending Weird Tales possible episodes list. That's got to be quite a deep bucket, that one. Yeah. Well, we just have this joint list that we share. And sometimes we just, if we're not sure what to do, all three of us will just jump into that and just pick something off of it. That's quite nice. That sounds juicy. Hmm. Or we try and surprise the others by not doing something from the list. <laughs> um, so that's, um, I think that's us. Like the Somerton man coming to a close. That case, this episode has, has come to a close because there's not much more to say about it. It's some dude. I think we thought this episode was going to be a little bit shorter than regular, and it is. Yeah. Just some dude called Carl. Yeah. So, um, case closed. <laughs> yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like I said, listeners, if you want to listen to some more, you can go to that Bandcamp page. Uh, you can also go to weirdtalesandtheunexplainable.com to follow links to that Bandcamp page or to buy merchandise or links to wherever. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. Most people communicate via the Facebook page now. I'm still holding the fort over on Twitter. Uh, one of the last remaining people on Twitter, it feels like. I'm at Bob Shoy there, though. If you want to say hi, I do respond to everyone. It's at B-O-B-S-H-O-Y. And, yeah, you can go to my website if you want to listen to other podcasts I've done. It's uh, it's, uh, bobshoy.com. And uh, that feels weird because it's the first time I've done the spiel for a long time. And, you know, I've forgotten the most important thing. If you want to get in contact with us, it's uh, W-T-A-T-U pod 
at gmail.com. Um, we've had some really nice messages from everyone over Christmas. So um, we do read every single one. Uh, I do try and respond to every single one. So if you haven't had a response from me, it'll, I probably just haven't got around to it yet because I sort of do them in batches when I get a free afternoon. And uh, Or I might have just missed your message altogether, in which case I'm really sorry. <laughs> <laughs> sometimes they get lost and I feel bad. I feel like people think I ignored them, but um, sometimes they just don't get through to me. And you're a busy man. You're a human being. You're not exclusively a podcaster. And I think occasionally people need to remember that. Exactly. Yeah, this is my third job. I, uh, I'm a plasterer and a student and this. Yes. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, have we got any other stuff we want to talk about, Rick? <laughs> um, I'm, I'm just going to plug him because I'm super into him at the moment. But uh, go check out the Longest Johns. <laughs> oh, we went to see him. I mentioned I mentioned it on the last episode. I talked about uh, talked to Beef and Tiz about going to a uh, Sea Shanties gig. No, I went with Rick. Rick, how was that? What did we go and do? It was amazing. It was this beautiful little place in Leeds. Um, uh, I, I drove over and went to go see Bob, and we went to go and see the Longest Johns, and they were Shout out to uh, the Broodnell. So it was, it was not the Broodnell, Broodnell, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Um Yeah, we saw the Longest Johns, uh, a sea shanty band, and they were supported by a fantastic uh, Spanish outfit called El Pony Pizador. And yeah, there's so much energy in that room. It was fantastic. It was a great atmosphere. It really was. I feel like even if you went there having no idea what you were going for, you'd probably have a good time because the atmosphere was great. Yeah. It was really good fun. And they, they do a lot of um, American songs as well, like uh, the old uh, railroad sort of songs mm-hmm. um, and a lot of stuff about the American shipping as well. It's, it's worth checking out. It's it's fun music and you're not going to walk away from it uh, like without a smile on your face. That's what I'd say. There you go. Rick's recommendation of the week. Yeah. I'll put uh, I'll put some sort of link to um, some of their stuff on in the show notes yeah, for your man. listeners. Got to be done. Right. Well, that's us then, um, listeners. Next time, me, Beef, and Tis realised the last episode we did was a real mess. So what we've got is we've got two episodes. This is how much of a mess it was, even though people have contacted us saying they really liked it for some fucking reason. Um, we're going to take two episodes to put right what we put wrong on. <laughs> so the next two episodes are, in a way, spin-offs of that. Nice. Uh, revisiting two classic Weird Tales formats. Um, and then after that, Basically, we planned the next six episodes in a row. After that, I'm, you know, in the, within the next episodes, six episodes, I'm also going to finally be revisiting the Alien Abduction series I started last year, which people keep hey. asking me about. So you have to not ask me about it anymore. It's coming soon, probably in about three episodes' time. I've already got the episode planned out. It's, it's uh, there's some really juicy, juicy abduction stories to cover still. So there is there is more of that coming. Uh, that is like the most requested thing we've had over the last year. Excellent. That's why I love doing this stuff, because I feel like I get the sort of inside scoop on what's coming as a fan. I'm just like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Well, normally we're a little bit coy about what's coming up, but I feel like we've been a little bit more open. So yeah, we've got sort of six episodes lined up. Why six episodes? Two of those are beef and tisses, and I don't know what they are, but they assured me they've got them lined up. So Awesome. It's, uh, you know, we're coming out swinging in 2023. Nice. Look forward to it. So until then, everyone, thanks for listening. Rick, thanks for joining me on thank this you. Hotels We Visited. Love to the listeners, and thank you. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Love you lots. Bye-bye. Bye. To this day, the case is still unsolved, and the man has never been identified. What? So we don't know what language that was translated from? Yeah, we do. Um, I don't know, actually. Sorry, it's uh, from the Rubaiyat. All right. Do you want me to have a look? When I heard, I think I've heard that story before. Have you? It's quite famous. That scrap of paper. Uh, I don't know if that's true or whether I just remembered it wrong. But I'm pretty sure that scrap of paper was ripped from that book they found. Oh, really? And written on that paper from the book, then torn. Well, torn, torn from that back page. I haven't. And um, that was one of that. Yeah, that might be the case. Oh, I'm glad I've said one that you've heard of before. Yeah, I, I thought you'd have like one. known a few of these. Because uh, these are very famous ones I'm bringing up now. Was there anything it's unusual? Persian. Persian. Mm. Is there anything unusual about his death? Like any? He was just uh, he was just dead. There was yeah. no nothing on um, his body or. I can't find anything here that actually suggests what was the cause of his death. That's weird. Yeah. That makes it weirder, I think. Mm. 
The fact that no one knows who he is, well, like, he's never been identified. It's such a weird thing to find on a dead body. But then to be like, no one knows who he is. It's kind of weird. Because for yeah. such a famous case, because you think by now someone would have been like, oh yeah, that's my granddad. Yeah. Like someone recognised him. Like there's pictures of him all over the internet. You type it in, there's a picture of that guy's face. No one knows who he is. No one knows who he is. An Ident- unidentified guy. Is it a young guy or an old guy? Can we show a picture of Tamam? Like, I refer to him Hang as Tamam Shad. Yeah. Type it in, you'll see him. I'll Google it. Um, so it's T. A M A M S H U D. Oh, it's come up immediately. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, he's just. He's just dead. He's just. Yeah, yeah there's no. That's really, really strange. And the writing's weird as well, isn't it? It's yeah. It's a really strange font. Yeah. We're looking at the Tamam Shirts guy. This is him. Wow. He's a weird looking guy as well. Very weird. He looks like, um, he's, he looks like his face is gonna open, there's a little alien controlling him yeah. inside, <laughs> <one> in black. <laughs> yeah. No disrespect. <laughs> but then you do get that, I suppose. Every now and then you do get, like, um, people in, and, you know, he may have just had a really unfortunate life. Maybe his parents died when he was young, maybe he never got married, never had kids. Mm. And in Australia, like, it is, people are very sporadically, like, it's not to, like, close knit communities, like, maybe he, but then if it went on to, like, became nationally, I don't know, maybe you'd have thought people would have seen his picture and gone, oh, that's Fred. There's quite a few strange stories from Australia. Well, bit. Yeah? Mm. Got some I mean, have are you leading into that. something? No, no, I, I did see, there is, um, I've saw a few stories on the, on the web, but I haven't seen anyone I've written down, because that's probably the most famous. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.